0: Hi, and welcome to Towards Health, an H1 podcast. I'm Elizabeth Fennell, the Director of Integrated Marketing, and I have with us today Meredith Dees and Todd Johnson from LocaVant. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, we're talking today about big data, health equity, and the future of clinical trials. So first, you want to both tell us a little bit about yourself, Todd, we'll start with you, uh, your background in the industry, and then maybe you could both tell us a little bit about Locavant.
1: Sure. So uh, hi everyone. I'm Todd Johnson. I'm VP of customer success at Locavant. I've been uh, in the industry close to 30 years now. I actually started as a statistician and then went right into also always on the sponsor side initially. So then went right into clinical operations. So, you know, managing studies, managing assets, et cetera. I spent uh, about 15 years doing that on the sponsor side, made a transition to more clinical systems and information management, reporting, et cetera. Uh, the last four years I've spent in health, health uh, or life science consulting, uh, helping folks implement new technologies, uh, particularly relevant during COVID, obviously, So, and just trying to get folks to use data a bit more for decision making. My role at Locavant is really just defining and sustaining value for uh, for our customers. So we have uh, a suite of offerings, which I'm sure, like Meredith, can talk talk to, but it's really connecting them uh, seamlessly to data from different sources.
2: Great, Meredith. Hi, everyone. Um, Meredith Dees, VP of product at Locovan. And I've been in the life science space for over 20 years and working in the was in the CRO space in clinical research for about 10 years. And then I've kind of moved over into more product development, system-related work. Um, actually started off in regulatory affairs, so was on the operations side for quite a number of years and just became extremely frustrated with the technology and the tools that the operational teams were having to use. It never seemed to meet the need. It never seemed to have the analytics that I needed. It didn't connect across the different sources that I was trying to have oversight over. So I started getting frustrated and complaining and that led my career down a path of product development to really try to build out solutions that meet the needs of our, our customers. So like I said, my, my background is predominantly working on the CRO side and then with uh, direct data capture companies to really get to that source data.
0: That's awesome. Well, you both touched on this. This is a big question. As healthcare becomes more complex and date more data is shared, as trials become more complex and more costly, how can data analytics impact these factors for the better?
1: Sure, I'll take a stab at that. Um, so you know, I can give you two examples, like one is from a regulatory standpoint, and the other is operational or financial. I mean, really, um, the regular regulators want are, are basically pointing sponsors <clears throat> and companies to focus on data. So there's the ICHE six guidelines that specifically state to focus on critical data and critical process and why this is important. It's Integral to risk management. So once you identify critical data and critical process, you can identify the risk factors or risk, risk indicators that are excuse me, just, you might want to redo that. Sorry about that. That was a hiccup. Um, so okay. why that, why that is important is from a risk standpoint, it's really focused. It's really important to focus on. The important risk indicators that really move the needle, and you really want to identify these as quickly as possible. So real-time data access becomes a, a much more important now, and data is obviously a, a big component of that because you'll, the earlier you detect this risk, the more you can mitigate it. So from a regulatory standpoint, having access to timely and consistent data is incredibly important. It's all, it's necessary now. From an operational standpoint, um, you know for the longest time there's been um, talk of decentralized trials and how they could potentially decrease costs. Relatively recently, there's been a publication, uh, a Tufts Impact Report, I think it was last month, in September, September or even this month, where they actually have an analysis of proven shorter cycle times, fewer amendments, fewer screen failures, using data in a decentralized way. So data is certainly here to stay from a study conduct perspective. And there's definitely regulatory requirements to do so, and certainly participant site and financial implications that would encourage folks to, to use it.
2: Yeah. And just to add on that, the more data you have and the more complex the data is, you have to remember a lot of these team members are having to comb through line listings of data when they don't have data analytics to support what they're trying to do. They're just looking row by row to try to manually identify where issues rise. There's no aggregations. There's no red flags. There's no indicator, like Todd indicated, the the key risk indicators, right? There's no flag for somebody to say, look here, this is where I need you to pay attention to. So the data analytics really supports bubbling up where the problems are so that people can address those much faster, thus mitigate the chances of more critical downstream impacts.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the more data we have, sometimes the more we know, and sometimes the more disparate the data can be. So why is it critical to have not only the data analytics layered on top of it, but to have that connected, consistent source of data?
2: Yeah, so when you're looking at multiple systems, you have to remember people are manually entering in a lot of that data. So it's important because you want to be able to see the whole picture. It's like putting a puzzle together. You wanna know what the whole picture is in order to put the puzzle together correctly, right? But also you have to remember that everybody is entering in that data manually. So there's a lot of errors that can occur. And if you're not connecting that data together and reconciling all that data, you might not identify critical errors that would impact your regulatory and safety reporting. So connecting it allows for not just visibility, but also ensures data integrity.
0: And really the safety for the patient also. Absolutely. And um, Todd, you mentioned decentralized trials. They've been called the future of bringing medicine together and, and faster in a more equitable way. Do you think the data analytics can make that happen quicker or can facilitate that?
1: Yeah. I mean, not just quicker. It makes it happen, right? I mean, decentralized trials. I mean, certainly they're about, they're central, they're decentral to us, but central to the participant. And they're for the participant, designed for the participant, however hybrid trial or flexibility you want to you want to take this, but really it's about it's a data and a data connectivity issue. So data is what makes decentralized trials possible, and it really fuels why they're able to be in existence. So you know, back in the day it, I, I told you I have 30 years of experience it was all paper, and there was a single data source, even so we had a a paper case report form even lab data was transcribed onto this case report form. This was before electronic data capture, et cetera. So that was a single data source. And now um, it's common to have you know a dozen data sources, at least five to 10 data sources per trial. There's this analogy um, about um, considering, like thinking of your, your data as a haystack. So and you're trying to find a signal in that haystack, and the more data or the more hay you throw on there, It doesn't necessarily make it easier to find that signal, but what Meredith was just saying, if it's connected and consistent, it certainly enables you to find the the more appropriate signal across multiple data sources. So what makes DCTs possible is the data. It's flexible to the the participant, whether it's lab data collected on site, whether it's at their local pharmacy, whether it's through their Apple Watch, it's all because of connected data. So... It's because we have that data and access to data in real time. And hopefully it's collected and mapped and harmonized and curated in the right way. But definitely central to DCTs, it's it's implicit in a DCT design.
0: We've talked some about data analytics. Do you think innovations like AI where it's personalized um, or curated, you mentioned, is going to play a role?
1: You know, um, yes. Yeah. In short, yes, I do think you know, when you hear AI and ML, particularly in this industry, it's often not used correctly. Uh, a lot of times it's like right. descriptive reporting is kind of mask or AI and ML is masquerading mm-hmm. as just simple descriptive reporting. So really the essence of AI mm-hmm. and, and ML is understanding what's going to happen. You're, you're, it's fueled by actual data that's populating your models and your algorithms. for. So from an AI perspective, at, at least at Lokomat, whether it's forecasting enrollment, uh, increasing signal detection, better signal detection. It enables you to design trials better, certainly from a planning standpoint, more accurate planning, but also from a protocol complexity component. So if you know what your efficacy and safety signals are based on legacy AI and ML algorithms, you can design potentially design less complex protocols that decrease participant site burden, et cetera. So it's that AI that makes that capable of designing things for the future.
0: But it really all comes down to that foundational data at the end of it.
2: Yeah. Your analytics are always only going to be as good as your data is, and your trial is only going to be as successful as the quality of your data. So having tools that allow for you to really manage and monitor that quality is critical.
0: You recently partnered with H1. Tell us why that felt like an important partnership.
1: From my perspective, you know, I think of initially it was just Complementary data data assets. So I think of H1 as this, you know, behemoth data asset of you know real data rich trial and HCP information. So when you have that great data asset and it's particularly valuable around claims and patient diversity are great things that H1 has. And when you combine that with Locavance data asset of actual trial data with thousands of trials, it's pretty valuable. And it's, it's really complementary, So there's no redundant data that's being collected. So we really fit nicely. So from a use case perspective, it's not only about connecting to the data, it's about connecting the, the people or the participants to that right data. So using H1 data to inform customers about potential sites or HCPs that, may, that they may have not used before. So you can outreach to, you can, you can touch more patients from a, a study design perspective. So it's really, again, it's, I hate saying it's always about the data, but it, it really is. And especially complementary data is really, really valuable.
2: Great. Anything to add, Meredith? No, I think Todd nailed that one.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been a great discussion and we thank you for joining the Towards Health podcast and stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks.